Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheese. I'm here with my best friend, Pistol. We're, we're still best friends, right? I, I haven't lost that, that been talking to JB during the week. <laughs> it depends how many times uh, your computer's going to fail us in the next couple <laughs> of weeks, and we'll, we'll decide based on that. Is your computer all better now? Uh, computers in the bin. We've got something just to get me through the week. Um, something I, I'm very, very glad to announce, though, Pistol, something you're well aware of. We're through the buys, mate. We're through the buys. <laughs> We don't like uh, we. It's not something we have to worry about, you know. Uh, apart from the the uh, players' association pushing for two buys, which you know at that stage I'll just completely move over to the draft format. I think, but um, it, we're, we're through the buys, mate. How did you do? You make it out the other end, all right? Oh, I, I think I struggled actually. Um, I came out at a worse rank than I started with. Yet I managed to have um, I think a minimum of twenty for all three weeks and just uh yeah yeah it was a bit of a flop for me personally how about you um i, I think i moved in from 2100 to 1800 which which i'm pretty happy with considering that i was away for two of the buy rounds and did absolutely no planning mate you, you were basically just uh keeping me on top of the information maybe i you should have let me run your team while i was away <laughs> yeah probably, <laughs> probably would have gone better the the interesting question at this stage that everyone's kind of asking, uh, how are you going full primo? We know a lot of people are holding uh, Hugh Greenwood at F6, who we'll touch on in a second, putting up a, a 120 tonight against uh, Hawthorne. Um, are you sitting at full primo at this stage, or you still got a few little cogs that you need to just interchange and uh, to get the team that you're looking for to head home? Uh, no, not quite there yet. Nearly there. I think uh, the missing piece of the puzzle is going to be uh, gone in two weeks' time. Um, if you manage to get a full primo team... Uh, I guess, before um, two weeks, then you're probably doing a little bit better than me and probably probably sitting quite nicely. And especially uh, you'd have a, a fair bit of trades left. Yeah, you know, that that's absolutely exactly right. And uh, it, something that I mentioned just before, Hugh Greenwood putting up a, a massive 120 score this week, uh, this game, 126 pre-scaling against Hawthorne. Uh, it's going to be actually... Probably optimal timing for when uh, Gorn has had a couple games. He's dropped that 100 or so K and becomes achievable. The amount of money that we're going to get out of Greenwood is going to be, uh, for those that are you know holding him at, at D, uh, sorry F6 pistol, we can pretty much just go one uh, one in, one out, and uh, that's a, a fantastic way to try and get uh, Gorn on. Uh, we'll move on straight away to the, the, the rest of the teams here, Pistol. We might as well just jump on through them. Obviously, uh, Hawthorne and uh, Adelaide have gone. Um, I'll jump into Sydney and Essendon, my boys. Only a few changes here. Kale Hooker is out uh, after dislocating his finger at training. Uh, David Myers has been omitted, uh, which is actually... It's surprising to me as an Essendon fan. I didn't think um, uh, he was diverting from what his role was. And maybe he hasn't been having the output that we expected. So I, I thought they might give him a, a few more games to try and get back up to speed uh, with the speed of AFL. Um, in comes Sean McKernan straight into the ruck role. I think uh, Essendon are actually playing a few games with the naming of the team. They've got <laughs> Tom Belchamers into a forward pocket. They've got Michael Hurley at a half forward. They've got Brendan Goddard at half back. And uh, James Kelly on a wing. Um, I, at this stage, mate, I think I don't really we can trust uh, their their on-field team matchup. Uh, on the uh, so, uh, Swan side of things, uh, Ollie Florent and Lewis Melican, uh, the Tinder star, has come back in for Zach Jones, who has been suspended, and uh, uh, Harry Marsh, who's uh, been o- omitted their pistol. Um, interesting game this one. Essendon coming off uh, some really good form, but uh, as we've seen recently, a lot of those teams coming off the bye do seem to struggle their first week back. No, they certainly do. So uh, I'm looking forward to this game. I think uh, Essendon, if they can get over the top of Swans here, coupled with their very, very nice uh, run home, could make a late push for the the top four. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this game. I think this could potentially be a match of the round. Yeah, and just while we're touching on uh, the Swans team, Chizo's Tasty Trade might be uh, uh, featuring a Nick Newman, Jake Lloyd, little switcheroo there, but we'll cu- touch on that a little bit later there, mate. Uh, jump through uh, your boys, the Pies and the Power. You and JB going head-to-head again this week. <laughs> uh, well, good news for Collingwood supporters with uh, Goldsack and Ben Reid coming back in. Josh Smith is omitted, and for fantasy coaches, Matt Scharenberg has been omitted. Um, which is quite painful. I think most people are relying on him for back cover for the rest of the season. So him going out, I'm a little worried, but I'm not too worried. Um, I think the extra break um, off after the bye 
get, getting an extra week, I think that'll help him out um, just because he's been injury prone pretty much his entire career. So this can't really be a bad thing um, unless he doesn't get renamed, but I think he will uh, get the chance to come back in. On the Port Adelaide side, Jasper Pittard comes in and Pollock is out with that hamstring injury. Um, interesting that Pittard was dropped in the first place. I know he had like a stinker, but you'd think that he's probably past having to try and fight for his spot in the Port Adelaide side, but um, he's in now. So, yeah, it's uh, going to be a cracking game. It's interesting, um, Matt, uh, Matt Scharenberg, you'd think, as you'd say, with his uh, his injury history, they might be wanting to rest him, but he's the first emergency that they have there. So it even kind of think makes me think they're not giving him so much as a rest as he, he they're not happy with his output there, Pistol. What, what's your take on that? What, how have you seen Matt Scharenberg lately? And to us fantasy coaches, do you think that he's going to be out for an extended period? No, I, I don't really think he's been bad at all. Um, I think he's played the role that we've given him. It, it's Tom Langdon's name at the halfback flank. I think he's probably going to be fighting uh, with Tom Langdon, but I don't think um, there was much difference in their performance um, last time they played. So it will be interesting to see who we go with uh, on the run home, but I, I'm, I'm quite sure Scharenberg is going to get more games. I mean, we've invested a lot of time and energy into getting him right, not to play him now. Um, knowing he's got all that talent as well would be just a very strange decision. So um, I'm going to take it as he's got that two weeks rest um, and he'll be coming back fit and firing shortly. And Callum Brown, I should say, is still in the in the squad for his uh, second match. Yeah, he was really impressive in in, in his first game. Uh, Pistol. He's got a, a great combination of contested and uncontested uh, a game. Um, uh, so if uh, you know he's he's taken into a forward pocket, he's able to you know get his own ball if uh, he can be that kind of pressure forward. But he also has the ability to push up the ground a bit like a Will Hoskinelli and do get that link up ball. So um, he doesn't rely on just one side of his game to ac- accumulate all these super coach points. So um, that's something that's that's uh, really interesting about Callum Brown. Hopefully. Hopefully um, uh, he gets named for his third game next week. Uh, we'll jump into the uh, the Lions and the Giants here, mate. And I, I, usually at this point, we'd make some sort of quip or some sort of joke about how the Giants are, you know, going to win by 150 points. And But it's just the year for upsets, isn't it? They got done by Carlton. And, you know, we've just seen top of the ladder get beaten by 17th on the ladder with the Hawks getting up. Basically, anything can happen, Pistol. I don't even know what to make of it. Um, of the changer side of things, Nick Haynes comes back in with Harry Perriman being omitted for the Giants. And uh, on the Lions side of things, Alex Witherden getting his debut game with Rowan Buick also coming in. Those uh, omitted are uh, Marco Paparone and Ryan Hardwood out with a, a slight foot injury uh, there, Pistol. Um, I, I really don't know what to make of this. Uh, cash cow... Jake Barrett having his first game again against the Giants. We've seen quite a few players play poorly against the side that they've just been traded from in the previous trading period. Do you uh, do you think this is the week to get Jake Barrett for those uh, to to give Barrett the flicker for those that are still holding him? <laughs> no, I don't don't see why not. At um, the Gabba, uh, he scores pretty well, I think, and we just saw Henderson absolutely uh, destroy Adelaide. So I think Barrett might come out firing against uh, his old friends. And uh, look, I've got a good feeling about Brisbane this game. I don't think they're going to win, but I think it will be a lot closer than people um, expect, and that's probably going to be good signs for Rockliffe if uh, they do manage to have a close. Um, close match um well i'm really hoping more than that <laughs> i'm praying geez i'm praying that we haven't made a terrible terrible mistake in getting in rockcliffe so maybe this is uh rather than factual <laughs> more fantasy um something that uh, a couple things i want to touch on in this game um we've seen the the slight upturn in heath shaw in recent weeks putting up uh, cons- uh, consecutive 98 99 back to back uh, are we seeing the return on of heath shaw are you still comfortable with the decision to give heath shaw the flick that he's he's uh, just a, a a shadow of the player he once was <laughs> look it's a two game sample size we'll see what happens for the rest of the year i mean usually in previous seasons you would have expected Giants to run all over Brisbane and maybe the ball not be uh, in in the GWS backline very much but this season who knows it might be there the whole game um, so I mean I've already traded out sure I can't really do anything about it but I, <laughs> I don't regret my decision at this stage um, but it is funny looking at a couple of the players names um, everyone's playing swapsies they've named uh, Jared Berry at centre half forward which I find very amusing 
Look, he's uh, he's a big body, but I don't think he's that big a body to be uh, to playing on Adam uh, Tomlinson at this stage. Uh, named uh, to to line up against Heath Shaw and his his milestone game is uh, basically one of the names of the past couple of weeks here, Pistol. Ryan Bastanak, has he uh, he's slightly improving his chances to, to become a decent player, are you thinking? Or is he, he's 120 the other week, just a flash in the pan? <laughs> I'm actually more interested uh, looking at the wings. Um, Ryan Lester has been really, really good um, lately for he Brisbane. Has, yeah. I think they said he had a second best... Um, I don't know what the stat's called. Um, when you're... <laughs> <laughs> they basically rate every kick on difficulty and then they expect you to hit a target a certain amount of times, um, like a percentage accuracy. And he's performing second best um, behind Scott Pendlebury in, in, in that stat. So um, he's got quite an accurate uh, kick and he's been pretty much scoring above 85 for the last five weeks. Um, it's now, I think, 424k uh, as a forward option. I'm not suggesting anyone actually get in Ryan Lester, but he's certainly in some decent form. Um, for those in draft format, if he's on the waiver, it's definitely uh, worthwhile looking at. <laughs> of course. Well, we'll jump into the next game there for us, mate. Uh, take us through West Coast and Melbourne. Josh Hill and Malcolm Carpenter come in for Mark Lecrae, who's got a hip injury, and Nelson out with a hammy. I think the big news, the very big news for this game is... Uh, Jack Gorn... Watts is out. <laughs> no, Max Gorn returns and so does Billy Stretch, more so Max Gorn. Um, Nathan Jones and Jack Watts are out, as you said. Interesting to note, um, Watts is out, so Pedersen still stays in the team, which is uh, great news for him because he pretty much gives his heart and soul every every match he plays, so it's uh, nice seeing, seeing him be rewarded for his uh, hard hard and long effort for the, the Melbourne Football Club. Um, Gorn, do you think he's going to reach his break-even against Nathan Vardy? I know it's uh, over 200, but surely it's a chance, Chizo. Nathan Vardy's coming off 125 in his previous game here, Pistol. Don't mock him too much. He, uh, he's, he On his day, he can be uh, a half-decent opponent. Now, just half decent, not like a decent opponent or anything like that. Um, it, the the one conspiracy that's been doing the rounds lately here, Pistol, is that Cam Pedersen has deliberately been injuring um, his uh, his teammates at training so that it, he gets another run. Now that Max Gorn's coming in, Jack Watts is going out. Any truth to that rumour? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you made up that rumour. <laughs> I did, Asking I did. me to confirm it. <laughs> No, uh, that's uh, uh, West Coast. Unlikely. West Coast must have some serious depth if they've got Chris Marston, Sharon Wellingham, and Jack Redden as their emergencies. Yeah, no, they've are uh, building quite a strong list, and yeah, they've got I think six out of the next ten games at Domain. And Elliot Yo, we've always got to talk about Elliot Yo, um, has had a low of 102 at Domain, so he's probably going to come hard home. Home hard, I should say. <laughs> we'll jump into the next game before this gets out of hand. We've got the Bulldogs in North. A few little changes here. Andrew Swallow, previous captain, coming back in for his uh, first game in a while. Jamie McMillan coming back after his uh, his out, late out last week. And Magic Door uh, coming back in for another game. Out is Kane Turner, who's done a, a PCL, looks like being out for two months. Uh, Lockie Hansen uh, omitted. I'm sure it might actually be from the concussion he's, he suffered after Zeeble booted the ball straight into his face last week. That was uh, reasonably amusing. And uh, Jed Anderson, um, given uh, the omission after uh, another poor game from him. Uh, on the dog side of things, Tom Campbell and Jack Redpath coming back in, uh, putting a bit of height in. Lin Jong out with an ACL, which is terrible news. Um, and Tom Boyd uh, out with a calf injury. Um, I almost think that the, the Bulldogs are structure up better when they have Tom Boyd out in, for Tom Campbell in the ruck there, Pistol. Well, this week against Goldstein, um, I don't. Yeah, I I, pre- I like this matchup. Um, Majak Door coming in. Um, people might get a bit scared that uh, Goldstein may perform worse with Door, which is probably fair enough. But I think um, with so at the tall out, Lockie Hanson, not like Majak Door is going to actually play back, but it might um, free up some room for for Door in the forward line. But I would be pretty scared if I was a Todd Goldstein owner. Yeah, Declan Mountford named last on the interchange, so at least it's not an extended bench this week. We actually know he's getting a game on the bubble. Um, one that we'll definitely have to touch on, on uh, later, he's a, a negative 29 break-even, average of 51, 124K midfielder. Um, so uh, he'd be one of the bubble boys that we can uh, we can focus on later. Um one thing I do want to mention, Goldstein is slightly going under the radar here, Pistol. He's been putting up some okay numbers. Nothing like his, you know, his 2015 season where he was All-Australian, but 
if uh, those uh, for those people that aren't waiting on Gorn, maybe they've got you know they're, they're happy they've got a, an R two that they don't need uh, Gorn to you know be their R one and then uh, you know put up with the wits or something at R two. Is Goldstein slightly an option for those that may be looking for someone else other than than Gorn their pistol? <laughs> I'm just not sure why you'd really look at someone else. Rather than Gorn, it doesn't make much sense to me. Especially, Mudjack Daw has come in. We don't know how that will affect Goldstein. And Proust is always knocking on the door. Oh, that was an accident. Um, so, <laughs> Goldstein, I mean, it can. everyone knows he's capable of scoring well. But it just a, seems like a really large risk for not the greatest reward. So, yeah, it, it'd be a pass for me at this stage. Yeah, fantastic. I agree with you there. I've just seen a few posts on the on the uh, the Facebook page of people asking the question. Uh, we'll jump into the cats and dockers there, mate. Take us through that one and uh, um, just uh, run through the the, uh, the the ruckman for the dockers there, mate. A little bit of an interesting change. We still don't have any Sanderlands. No. So, well, you ruined the surprise. But um, <laughs> basically, uh, Griffin is out with a calf injury. Uh, Sutcliffe is omitted and uh, Brady Gray has a hammy. And in on the uh, extended interchange sides is uh, Hayden Ballantyne, Griffin Logue, Ethan Hughes, Nick Subin, Josh DeLuca Cardillo, and Sean Darcy as named as the Ruck for Fremantle. So um, that's a big call, basically, uh, Sean Darcy Probably, I'm assuming, playing his first game, he's named as the Ruck for Fremantle. Um, I think it's a little bit amusing that the, um, the suggestion of trading in a non-playing DPP um, that we've been saying from last week, uh, we said to get uh, Josh DeLuca-Cardillo because he's got the mid-forward eligibility and he's 102k, and now he's named on the extended interchange. I don't think he'll get a gig, but that really ruined the idea of um, getting a loophole. I just never expected him to play Chizo. You, you can't trust anything with Frio. Like at this stage of the season, you should know there's nothing. You can't trust Ross. What like basically from the rounds onwards, he does just some craziness. And you're right, he probably won't get a game. But you know, literally, just because you've mentioned him and his names come up, the Supercoach gods have just you know whispered in his ear and said, "Give him a game here, Ross." And just uh, just to to mess with you a little bit, um, uh, Scott Selwood has he omitted their pistol? Run us through the the cat side of things as well. Should say on the uh, cat side, sorry about that. Cockatoo is out with that hammy. Hawkins comes back from suspension. Uh, Blitzarves, Cunico, and George Holland Smith on the extended bench. Um, Scott Selwood is named on the extended bench, I should say, as is Luke Ryan for Fremantle. Um, I think Luke Ryan will play for Fremantle. Scott Selwood, he trained well. They said he was feeling fine, but it's very strange. It, there used to be no such thing as a one week hammy. Um, I think I said that early in the season when Cutler. Um, I think it was him. He played after a hamstring injury, and I was so surprised. And then he ends up like tearing his hammy and missing the next couple of weeks. Um, I don't see why they would risk playing Scott Selwood against Fremantle at Skilled Stadium. It doesn't make much sense to me. But if he's fit and he hasn't, he's not worried at all. Then I guess I'll play him. Um, I would definitely have some emergency um, cover there just in case he is a laid out though, Chizo. Yeah, the the two things I think that work in his favour, I think that that, um, well, there's a couple, uh, uh, probably three things actually. I remember watching the game; they never iced it. You know, he was up walking about at you know three quarter time. Um, they they didn't just sit him down like they did with Cockatoo and just chuck the ice on it straight away, put him the tracksuit on, and you know, it, once they knew the game was gone, they they had no chance of of coming back. They I think they were holding on to him just in case that there was that that possibility. Might have just been some tightness rather than a, a full tear. I think another thing that plays in his um, his benefit is that it's at skilled stadium, and so he didn't have to you know back to back fly to Perth, and that would have definitely um, been a negative influence on that kind of thing. Um, so I can I can understand why they keep him on an extended interchange. Um, there's no no point naming him on the field at this stage when he, he you know he might just be a fifty fifty, but it, it still gives them the 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 chance to um, keep him in the side and not have to omit him um, with an injury. Um, I, I think because it is Scott Selwood. And because he is so injury prone, and as you say, that there's history just from this year when people have just had a small tweak that has turned into a nasty tear. I think they will side on resting him, 
by the fact that it is Scott Selwood and the injury history that he has. Um, but as you say, it is, it is a 50-50. And, you know, for those, I've, I've seen some teams um, celebrating that he hasn't been dropped and he's their M8. I'd, I'd be finding the best emergency you can find um, on, on your bench any way you can because I'm probably on the side that says that he's not getting a game this week. And if you have Greenwood, who just uh, managed to get around 126 or so, that's a perfect cover, right, for Scooter right there. Yeah, absolutely, unless you've got him in the uh, the forward line there, pistol like I do. Hey, we'll jump into uh, Richmond and Carlton, and this is another game which, uh, uh, you know, you, you look at the ladder and you've got Richmond um, towards the, the top half, you've got Carlton towards the, the lower half, and I literally have no idea, you know, if, if Carlton's within, you know, half a dozen goals... With a quarter to go, it's it, uh, Richmond still haven't won the game based on the history in 2017. Um, extended benches uh, for both on this side of things: uh, Ben Lennon, uh, Oleg Markov, and Ivan Marek. Probably uh, two of the better names you can have on an, ex- uh, an extended bench. Um, uh, other no changes uh, announced at this stage. Um, Toby Nankervis, uh, we do need to highlight pistol um, that he is under an injury cloud. Do you, do you have any more information on that and uh, whereabouts uh, he's suffering some sort of injury from? Yeah, so um, Nank has a corked calf. So they said that he was in doubt for the game and that they would give him um, up until the game to prove his fitness. Obviously, that's why they na- named the big Ivan. They don't usually name a Ruckman, so as an emergency, I should say. Um, so obviously, they're giving him literally until um, late changes come out to see whether or not he'll play. Um don't know any more information than that. I I don't even can't even give you a percentage chance or chance <laughs> that um, Nank plays. But if you had Greenwood in your forward line and Nank is in your forward line and you needed to remove somebody to take the score, um, I probably would be leaning to uh, removing um, Nank just because he's probably well he definitely is under an injury cloud and even if he does play, if he's not going at a hundred percent, he possibly might not score very well. Um, on the Carlton side, though, give us a run through who is back, Chizo. Uh, those that are back, um, Jared Pickett, mate. He was your you, you've been using him as that loophole, and I, I believe this is the first week you actually wanted to, to use his loophole for Greenwood, and uh, he actually might be getting a game named on the extended bench there, mate. <laughs> you hold him the whole year; he just disappoints you for an entire season, and you finally get a chance to use him for a loophole. And then he possibly gets named. I mean, what sort of magic is this? Um, you know, that's, again, good news for those that held him if he manages to get a game, but terrible if you were actually playing on Loophole and Greenwood with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, all those that have been named it in uh, ins for Carlton have been named on the extended bench. Uh, so we've got a Billy Smet, Sam Kerridge, Nick Graham and Jared Pickett uh, with Tom Williamson heading out with a, a back complaint. Um, neither of those really are a straight swap. They're all kind of a, a smallish forward slash mid player, so I can't really uh, put my hand up and say exactly who would be coming in for a a, a, a Tom Williams. Maybe they uh, they swap Liam James forward again. Their pistol. Maybe that's the uh, from uh, uh, that's the plan that way. <laughs> no, I think Liam Jones is uh, more like trying to win a uh, all Australian spot in fullback. So <laughs> he'll towel up Jack Rewalt this week. Don't you worry, Chizo. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried. Um, we'll jump into the uh, Saints and the Suns, mate. Chuck us through that one. On the Saints side, they are coming into the extended interchange. No actual official outs. Uh, Shane Savage in. Jack Steele in. Paddy McCartan in. So uh, big news, I guess, with uh, Jack Steele on the extended bench. Um, that means you need to wait until tomorrow to actually find out if he's going to get a gig or not, Chiso. It's uh, never a nice feeling when you see one of your keepers, or that you probably thought was a keeper, um, being named on the extended bench, and you know there's, there's a chance he's not going to play. Um, on the Gold Coast side, however, quite a few changes. We've got uh, Matera out with a foot injury, Barlow with that broken leg, Aaron Hall with a hamstring, and Matty Rosa being suspended for a week. And in comes Jared Harbrow, back from his suspension. Um, Archie is in, Fiorini, Tuuk Miller, Rory Thompson, Darcy McPherson, and Matt Shaw, what a lot of people, um, all on the extended bench. Um, Chizo, Gaz's 300th game. Can you believe it? What an absolute champion. Uh, I also uh, believe that's how many disposals he's on for this weekend. 
<laughs> I hope so. You're going to lock the the big C on him. <laughs> uh, I'll certainly be thinking about it. Uh, but if they do pull it off, you know, it's his 300 game here, Pistol. It's a big celebration, and they might pull off a win. Doubly good. Do you reckon uh, Jared Harbrow might go out for with a drink for the boys on the weekend to celebrate? <laughs> oh no, 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 no! <laughs> Do not go there. No, he's not might, he might just take an Uber and might just take an Uber home. Oh, he's definitely not uh, <laughs> having any more alcohol for the rest of the season. I think he's uh, said that himself. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. That wraps up all the games for the uh, the, the weekend here, Pistol. We'll jump straight into the Cancer Council. We've had uh, uh, just another donation by Henry this week, giving a uh, uh, Ed Vickers-Willis donut. Um, Pistol, you got any uh, information about uh, m- money you might be putting in in the future? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I did happen to make a small wager with JB about tonight's result. He was extremely, extremely confident um, that Hawthorne would win, and I thought that was quite ridiculous. And he was very happy to, to put a, a $10 charity council bet on the Hawks winning. So, of course, I jumped at that opportunity, and boy, was I wrong. Um, I did not expect that result, but he obviously did. And uh, now he's probably going to go on next week's podcast and tell everyone how it was one for one for his tipping and normal care again like usual and we'll be on our merry way (laughs) and i'll uh, have to donate the ten dollars to the council council uh tax rebatable mate so don't feel too bad um (laughs) we'll jump into the next section here mate uh uh, chizo's tasty trades and uh because our our little intro is stuck on the broken computer that's sitting in the bin right now uh, i'm just going to jump straight into it um the two that i want to highlight that we have touched on before we've got declan mountford uh 124k midfielder averaging 51 with a negative 29 break even and we've got luke ryan 117k defender 62 average and a minus 55 break even he's his break even uh, nice and high off that uh, that high 80 score that he had against Brisbane. Um, he is named on the extended bench. Pistol, out of these two, which one is something is one that you might be uh, aiming for? We do have a lot of questions coming in for those that um, have, have thought about going to get a, a, a Mountford down from like a, a Cousins, a Mountford in for a Scooter. Uh, uh, what's your kind of take on it uh, out of these two here, Pistol? Um, I, I, I do like the idea of Ryan coming in, particularly if you can have him at a D8, but we are also seeing some questions coming through should they bring in Luke Ryan for Matty Scharenberg. Out of these two, which one excites you the most? Oh, it's definitely got to be Luke Ryan with his, I think it was an 87 um, before the bye. Look, Fremantle obviously playing youth. Um, they've bringing in a lot this year, and as they have done in, in past years, um, towards the end of the season when they, I think, they kind of roll over and die. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to be playing some younger guys, and I think um, Luke Ryan will be getting quite a few uh, gigs across the, the back end of the year. I would not trade Sharon Burr for Luke Ryan, however. I mean, maybe if you're desperate for the cash, but surely there's some better option there. Um, I do expect Sharon Burr to be back at some stage um, for the Pies. Mountford, given we just see uh, Kane Turner do his PCL, I, I feel a little bit better about Mountford than I did before that injury news. Um, but still, I would take uh, Luke Ryan over him. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, I also reflect that sentiment mainly because um, I think our defensive line is one of the most settled. Um, I think at this stage we kind of know the players that like, if you haven't fully upgraded your back line, you've maybe got one or so to go. Um, and we, if you consider our midfield, like you, you, even James Cousins, we thought was going to be, you know, have fairly decent job security with, you know, Hawthorne was going to be languishing down the bottom. They're going to have to play their kids. You know, you can't predict anything this year. They come out and beat Adelaide, and it makes his job security look even worse. I, I was just thinking, you know, they'll get flogged by Adelaide. He'll be he, a good game in the seconds, and he'll come back in. Um, but in the, uh, you know, the same thing could happen with Mountford. You know, um, he, he has one poor game. You know, they, they give uh, another another kid a go. Whereas at least on the on the Fremantle side of things, I think Luke Ryan's role uh, benefits um, his job security a little bit more. And uh, he, a lot of the players that they have roaming through that, you know, that back 50, that back half of Frio are kind of on the older side or a slightly different type of player to what Luke Ryan 
the the role that he plays. So I kind of see his job security being slightly better. And uh, you know, uh, for the fact that, that you know, there's a lot of people out there with Matty Scharenberg already at you know D seven. Um, it, it does also give you the opportunity to have at least an emergency um, on the uh, the defensive side of things there, Pistol. Well, I mean, I don't want him to get dropped this week, but it would be pretty funny if he was dropped this week just after you saying how uh, his job security is quite good. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, they have brought in actually quite a few defenders on the extended interchange bench. You've got um, Griffin Logue, you've got Sam Collins there, um, and you've got Luke Ryan. I mean, Bre- Brendan Cox was used as a forward but can play back as well. So you've got Nick Subin. Jeez, they've pretty much got an entire team of defenders. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if Luke Ryan does get the chop or not. But I, I think, I mean, he had a pretty good game, so I'd be surprised if they weren't rewarding his effort. Yeah, no, and that, that's exactly what I think. I think Ross is one of those guys that, he, you know, he does make some strange decisions now and then, you know, playing an absolute first gamer as their ruck, for example. But he does tend to reward players that do put you know, have put in the effort, have worked up to it. And, you know, Luke Ryan has done some really, really good things in the, in the waffle. He's been um, one of their, their star players uh, for the Peel Thunder. And I think that I, I think that the a body of work that he's put forward this year would tend to, would, would make it more likely that he's going to get another game this week than he is to, to be dropped. So um, typically with these kind of trades, because of the rolling lockout in Supercoach, you can always wait until, you know, final teams come out half an hour before the game um, pistol. So um, I, I, if that's an opportunity that you can do, I'd, I'd definitely look at something like that. Um, if you weren't looking on the rookie side of things, so we've covered, covered the rookies that... Um, are on the bubble this week. Um, someone like a Callum Brown, do you see any merit to, you know, going a week early on him to, you know, bank the cash? Because he, he looks like that he's going to have some some reasonable job security as well by the way that he's playing. Um, I think when Jamie Elliott comes back for Collingwood, um, Callum Brown might be the one to make way. And he's only two weeks away. So I don't think I would be going early on Callum Brown. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably, I think, a, quite a fair, fair comment. If you're looking to downgrade someone like a James Parsons, just get that 100k and then uh, run with it. Yeah, I mean you could. If he gets dropped, he's not even a bad loophole option. I mean, obviously, if you're going to trade in a loophole option, you could get someone like um, Josh Lukicardillo, who's 102k, <laughs> you make an extra 15k, and is also named on the extended bench. He might even get a run uh, later in the year as well. So, um, yeah, I. I probably would lean towards Brown um, if you, unless you desperately needed that extra 15k to get a primo um, but both of them are, well, they're not people I would trade in early because um, they definitely could be dropped next week yeah, totally understand. Um, we'll talk about some guys that we're looking at upgrading. I think this is definitely the week for Jake Lloyd for those that have been waiting for him to come down in price. He's only at 412k. It's actually a, a 20k profit by going Nick Newman to Jake Lloyd this year if you have Nick Newman at D6. Um, he's lost uh, 50k over his uh, his starting price, which has obviously gone up by the way that he's performing. And uh, besides that four that he scored uh, through injury and concussion, he's averaging just on 100, even slightly over. And I think out of his last eight games, he had um, every single one of them within about 10 points of each other between you know 99 and 110. So um, a fantastic, consistent choice to put in the back half. And I think at this price, you can't find better. Um, one that everyone has been mentioning is Jason Johannesson. He's down to 385K already with a break-even of 149. We might even see him, you know, three, 350, sub 350 here, Pistol. The, the thing that worries me, all these people are, you know, going, oh, I can't wait to get Johannesson at D6 and things like that. He's the the forward tag on him is so effective that it might be something we see for the entirety of the year. And those that are those guys that are passing up Jake Lloyd this week to get Johannes at an even cheaper price might be waiting until round twenty two when people stop putting the tag on him. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't get um, JJ as a D six more as a, a D seven um, player. I think I did say uh, you did say you would consider doing a, a Newman to Lloyd. Um, I'm not 
I think maybe if that's your your last trade, it's okay, like to to get a fully primo team. But if you've got other issues to deal with, I'd go someone else to Alloyd. I'm not sure Newman is even worth a trade out at this point in time, given he is averaging above 90 um, in the back line. You probably have a bigger fish to fry, and you can leave him until your very last um, upgrade to to get a full primo team. And and that is it. Kind of- Brings up a, an interesting point there, Pistol. He's saying there's a difference between having a full primo side and having, you know, the highest potentially scoring side that you can have. So, you know, having a, a Newman at, say, like a D6, um, you could almost, you know, averaging 90 in defense, you know, every other year you consider that as a, a you know, a full primo backline. But um, with the options that we have this year, um, you know, we've got four guys averaging over 100. We've got another five guys that are averaging between 95 and 100. Um, maybe 90 is not quite enough to have a D6 if you're really pushing for overall pistol. Yeah, it definitely is based on where you're ranked currently and also what your goals are. If you're, if you're going for league, you can cop a couple less points if you want to save some trades for finals. That's definitely a very effective strategy. Um, yeah, I just find this year you've got four players, as you said, going above 100. Um, so you're going to need those four players, especially if you're going for overall. And then your last two, you're, you're not going to want anyone really less than, than 95. Otherwise, you're just leaking points on the rest of the competition who, who aren't in that situation. So, um, yeah, for me this year, I, I would personally consider um, defenders above a 95 average. And I would include Jake Lloyd, given he got that, that, that concussion f- score of four. Um, I think you, you definitely want the defenders all above 95. But people are people have some... I think quasi premiums, you know, there's, they've got McMillan and um, some people had Pitt out of the stage as well. And even, I mean, Harbrow's up there probably better than the other two, but still, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about them when people say they're, they're full primo. Maybe they can uh, upgrade them to the, the, 90, the guaranteed, I guess, 95 plus defenders. Yeah, and I'm kind of going to touch on the exact same thing here. You know, we're talking about the the premiums that, you know, we consider them being, a, you know, a full premium side, but they might be just slightly under, um, you know, what the top scorers are. I do want to touch on the ruck in this kind of thing because, you know, we've got a couple, you know, most people might be running, you know, a Nank. You know, there's still a lot of coaches out there running a Nank and a, a Wits combination at R1, R2 um, or a variation of. Is the same validity to this question, you know, saying that Wits and Nank are premium players, even though they're maybe 10 points down on the likes of, you know, Cruiser and, and, and say, a Goldstein that have been, you know, around the 100 mark there. Do you see the same situation as you're saying here that you, you wouldn't bother upgrading a Newman to a Lloyd? Um, do you see the same validity to saying you might keep a wits over getting a gold stain for the exact same reason yeah definitely i think uh, people have no hesitation in keeping wits and say he's a keeper and whilst i do agree that he's a keeper just because there isn't really i guess risk-free options um above him as as targets um max gorn could really change the whole landscape of the rucks i mean people are sitting very very happy with a nank and, and a wits as r1 and r2 and soon soon as you get gorn coming in if he averages 120 well then you thought you'd saved a trade and all of a sudden you're losing 30 points per week because your ruck's getting 90 and Gorn's popping out these 120s, then you're going to want to upgrade. So then you're not really, I guess, full... I mean, you're full premium, but you've got some dodgy premium. So yeah, heavily dependent on who's available. Um, Every year is different. I think that's the, the key message that in previous years past, if you had all your defenders above 90, then that's unbelievable. Like that's You definitely have a full premium backline. And this year it's just different all the defenders are scoring better so you kind of have to adapt and um i think if you if you want to really be considered full premium then you either need to have all the options um that are in the top echelon um in that in their positions or you have to have let's say a newman at d6 and then you've got someone to loophole maybe um johannesson at d7 and you're loopholing newman and and Johannesson for that last D6 position. So you're kind of almost guaranteeing yourself um, at least a slightly, I shouldn't say guarantee, but you're probably going to get a better score um, than just when you roll with just one of them. And that might make up the points difference than if you did have someone, um, I don't know, like a Hawley that's only averaging three points more than Newman at D6. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, while we're talking on the rucks, one thing I do want to uh, mention, Toby Nankervis, you're a stats man. 
Uh, as a stats man, looking at his three-round average of 76.7 and his five-round average of 84.4, are they kind of popping up to say maybe that the Nank is not a keeper uh, in the sense that you want to have on your ground at R1 or R2 or even at F6? Yeah, it's a bit worrying science here. Um, I'm leaning towards trying to shift him towards an F7 position so that he can at least cover um, my rucks if something were to happen to them. I think you could get away with having him as an F6 just because the forwards um, aren't as strong as other positions this year. So you're not probably losing many points by having him at F6 over someone else at F6. However, if you're playing him in the ruck, um, I think that's a big no-no just given there is still... Um, at least a handful of rucks averaging well over a hundred. So, um, yeah, it depends where you're playing Nank. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of uh, people that are thinking, you know, um, in a couple of weeks, Gorn will come down in price. Greenwood will make some cash. Really simple trade: Greenwood out, Nank into the forward lines, and we'll get Gorn. But you know, maybe you're actually costing yourself points by you know taking Nank. Um, to the forward line and get rid of, getting rid of Greenwood. Maybe there's some um, validity to having, you know, as you say, Nanket as a an F7. And by that by that stage, um, maybe um, Greenwood is showing that he could be that that M9 player that you could have, or uh, as the the or your you know your f- uh, forward cover. And we could actually trade Nank, use the money that Nank's made. He's 76k above. Um, what his starting price was and, and maybe get gone that way. No, I don't think I would trade Nankervis. Um, I would use him as cover. So maybe you could loophole Nank and Greenwood for your F6 spot. And if something were to happen to your rucks, then you would still have Nank to swing into your rucks and cover them. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be trading him out, but I would potentially loophole Greenwood and Nankervis as your F6. Or if you happen to be able to afford a premium player um, at your F6, you could, you know, loop on like a Tom Lynch with um, Nate Curvis instead for your F6 spot, something like that. Yeah, fantastic. I hope that that helps. We do. We have had a, a, quite a few questions come in for Nankervis, and I hope that that pretty much covers a lot of the basics uh, that uh, people have been asking about. Uh, hey, Pistol, I think it's about time that uh, we check in with your Prestia punt. Hey, mate, what do you, what do you think about? Uh, have you gone for another hundred percent in your uh, Pistol's punt so far this year? You could ask yourself a question: Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? <laughs> I think it's too early to tell with Prestia. We'll give it a couple more weeks before we save to success <laughs> or not. Um, I mean, he did get an 84, which isn't too bad, but I think he was on 89 at three-quarter time and then lost five points. So, um, yeah, let's let's wait for a larger sample size if we call that, that a win or a loss. But <laughs> I will mention, um, I don't know if it's worthwhile calling it Pistol's Punt, but maybe something that I'll bring attention to because um, there is a certain player that is being heavily, heavily overlooked, and I don't know why, Chizo. Um And that player is Jack Billings. Um, Jack he, Billings? He is a forward mid-eligible player. He's 490k. It's basically the same price as Mitch Wallace, and people are asking us, emailing us, should I get in Mitch Wallace or should I get in Heaney? And sure, you can, you can get in Heaney, um, Oh, you can get a Mitch Wallace and people are asking other players between Mitch Wallace and X and they're all getting a Mitch Wallace and I'm thinking why is nobody considering Jack Billings this guy has a five round average of 105 he's tons up in five of his last six matches and he's scored above 93 so that's not even a bad score for a forward I feel like I'm selling you already you've gone silent Chizo. he scored yeah, above no, 93 seven of his last nine matches. He's only had two poor scores in that that um, short period of time and is forward eligible and he just seems like a much better option than most of these other forward options being thrown out and nobody's jumping on him and he doesn't even have a very hard um, draw home and he's only in 5% of the team so he's a great POD at this stage of the season. And he's, uh, he is actually more unique than Mitch Wallace. Mitch Wallace in 8.1% of teams. Mitch Wallace, while he hasn't been bad, he's uh, averaging 93 over his past five, 95 over his past three. I think a lot of people are looking at his seasonal averages. You know, they're looking for that final, you know, that forward um, that they want to get in to complete their team. And they look at him and he's got a, you know, a, a 104.3 for the season, but they're not looking uh, at what he, uh, he has been doing over his last body of work. And if you do the, 
exact same thing by um, by looking at Jack Billings. He's only averaging ninety. Uh, sorry, yeah, averaging ninety for the year. But if you look at his last five. That's a, a large that's over a month and a half, inc- including um, including a, a a buy in that. So over the last six weeks, he's averaging a hundred and five supercoach points, and he's a fantastic POD. And it looks like he's finally delivering on that talent that you know saw him get uh, get picked so highly, Pistol. Yeah, the reason why he's averaging ninety and not higher is his first start three weeks, he just basically had terrible scores and then he just picked it up and he hasn't looked back as I said seven of his last nine above 93 which is unbelievable for a forward um he has not I don't think we've seen one person inquire about billing so I just wanted to throw the word out there if you don't have him and you were considering someone like Mitch Wallace I would be taking a Jack Billings above Mitch Wallace at this stage of the season yeah, uh, I, I totally agree with that, mate. Um, uh, definitely, uh, I want to check in with this one next week. I think this one might just pay off a little bit earlier than Prestia that you're, you're handing there to us, bud. Um, hey, I, the last thing I want to touch on before we wrap up, and I do want to touch on some captains this week. It is a little bit interesting because we've got the likes of Dangerfield and Doherty, the guys that we're going to this week, all playing on the Sunday games. Um, if you're looking at doing a VC option, obviously the first game is already played for the round. Who would you be looking at this week as your VC? Um, probably Greenwood. <laughs> taking his 126. No. Um, I think there's a couple of uh, good early options. Um, maybe a more risky one. Uh, Buddy Franklin, he has a 10-game average against Essendon of 129, so he loves to beat up on the Bombers. Um, then you've also got a uh, Pendlebury at the G against Port Adelaide. I think he will score um, quite well. And then moving into, I guess, later, depending on where you have uh, that loophole available, you could even look at Elliot Yo. as I said, 102 being his low score at the main stadium. Um, he might also um, be a good VC because he has uh, quite a high ceiling as well. Yeah, uh, you're not looking at, at the, the likes of uh, Azorko, a Merritt, or a Neil or someone like that? Well, I can't say I have many of those in my team, but um, <laughs> if I did, I probably... I'd look at Zorko, probably given the form that he's been in. Um, Merritt, I'm not sure how I feel about on the smaller grounds um, on the SCG. You might not have as much space to get a lot of those um, short little kicks that he, that he enjoys. And Neil against uh, Geelong at um, Simmons Stadium, that's probably not going to be an, an ideal matchup for him. Um, and he would be a captain op- option anyway, Chaser, not the VC like you asked. Yep, yeah, sure. Um, uh, looking at a captaincy option, you've also got the the Dangerfields and the Doherty's. Do you think that Ablett is going to get up for you know his big three hundred game, and uh, we can actually see him put up a, a, a you know another decent score, maybe a, a big one forty, one fifty from the Gaz? Yeah, I think. Gaz is definitely a good option. If you could go a Dangerfield into Gaz, um, that would be something that I would be looking at doing. Dangerfield at Simmons Stadium has pretty much just dominated recently, as has Joel Selwood. So if you have one of those two cats, um, they would probably be my C for this week. Yeah, uh, averaging 151 across his last three, Dangerfield. His last three against Fremantle, averaging 154. And his last three at Simmons Stadium, averaging 154. I think uh, uh, the C goes on to Dangerfield, and you might just get to have a free shot with a VC somewhere, Pistol. What do you think? <laughs> Sounds like I might be taking another buddy punt since uh, the <laughs> one time I've done it this season, it came to the tune of 160 points. Yeah, and you never let us forget it, hey. No. Hey, mate, that pr- that pretty much wraps up the podcast. It's been fantastic uh, chatting to you again. Um, I-, I really, really hope I get to hear this on the uh, the the iTunes app here, mate, because uh, the one we've got from last week is uh, sitting in the bin right now, and I don't think anyone will ever hear that for the rest of their life. <laughs> well, I do want to ask one question before we do go. I know you listened to the Monday podcast, and I just sure. need to hear your thoughts. Zach Merritt versus Lockie Neal. If you had to pick one this week as your upgrade target, who would you go for? Um, a lot of people are liking Lockie Neal, but I, I definitely have to side with Merritt. I know I'm a little bit biased because I'm an Essendon supporter, but I just see him as a little bit more consistent compared to Lockie Neal. I think we've got a body of work from the both of them from 2016, and Merritt is not only eclipsing a lot of the stats that he had last year, uh, but he's backing up all those uh, all those stats that we thought that might drop away once the, retu- the you know the band bombers came back. Um, I think we've got enough um, games into him this year to know that he's not going to tail away. We know he's going to keep it up, um, and 
what you're basically going to be paying for a player that's going to average somewhere between 110 and 115 for the rest of the season. Uh, with Lockie Neal, I don't like the fact that there's such a, a disconnect between his DT and his uh, his super coach scoring. He's always been an accumulator. In he's a, a bit like a Tom Mitchell and uh, and a Zach Merritt in that respect, where they they are more accumulators more than damaging players in say you know the Bont or the uh, Paddy Cripps mold that uh, you know can get one twenty for only twenty five touches. But the the thing for me is that there's a lot uh, of Lockie Neal's stats that are actually dropping away compared to what he had last year. I don't have um, any particular stats in front of me. You're the you're the stats man for that kind of stuff. But he definitely is not putting up the same kind of um, dream team numbers. Meaning he's not getting as much of the ball and there's a slight disconnect between his dream team and I think he's overscoring in Supercoach from the little, the less ball that he's getting, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does make sense. He is averaging six less possessions this year uh, than last year, but his Supercoach is up two points per game on last year. So um, you said it yourself. I didn't say anything, uh, JB, just when you're listening. Um, he <laughs> likes... Zach Merritt over Neil, nothing to do with me. He, that's his uh, opinion. And obviously, um, JB is a big fan of Neil. So there we have it, community. Um, I hope, um, yeah, that, that was a, a good discussion. We've had a lot, a lot of questions. I can't tell you how many. Um, just asking us basically, which one should I get between those two? Yeah, I don't think 114 from Lockie Neal is sustainable based on his, uh, his 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 raw numbers, whereas I think Zach Merritt's is more backed up by uh, you know his his dream team score um, versus his super coach score. He's, he's definitely, um, it, you know, if he has a really effective game, Zach Merritt could come out with a 150 based on the numbers he's getting. Yeah, I, well, honestly, I think they're both great picks, and I don't think you'll go wrong either way. We're, we're talking, we're going to be splitting hairs at the end of the day. They might, yep. you know, outscore each other by one point per game. But um, yeah, both both great choices. Personal personal preference. There's only five k in it as well. Um, I have my favorite. JB's got his favorite. You've got yours. Um, you happen to side with me mostly because I convinced you and had a more compelling argument on the Monday podcast. But besides <laughs> that. Um, yeah, everyone had their own thoughts. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Hey, mate, uh, we've still got the Supercoach rings uh, going for those that are in uh, uh, their leagues this year. Chuck in 10 bucks each and uh, you can pretty much pick up one of these uh, fancy rings. Uh, are you going uh, for going to win the, the ring this year in our Dr. Supercoach draft league, do you think, that we've got running for first place? Oh, not this year, Chizo, but pen me, pen me in for the champion of the next three years. Creating a dynasty. Aren't you, Pistol? Pick, pick, picking up all the uh, the best players under the age of 24 lately. That is uh, the goal. <laughs> and, uh, guys, don't forget to uh, leave us a review uh, on uh, iTunes so that more coaches can find us and be- uh, become part of the community of Dr. Supercoach. And uh, the Cancer Council, donate for donuts. I'm sure we've had more than just a, a couple of, uh, you know, two or three people that have had donuts during the buys. So uh, pledge an amount for the donuts that you have had, even if it's just a dollar. It all goes towards cancer research and goes straight to the Cancer Council Victoria. So, uh, Pistol, I'll be looking forward to seeing your donation during the week. Uh, from your tipping error and I'll talk to you later. (laughs) No worries. Thanks for having me, Chizo, and thank you, community.